You're listening to Accounting Matters, an accounting podcast powered by Embark about accounting matters because accounting matters. This is Adam Olson, Embark's accounting advisory national practice leader, and you're listening to Accounting Matters. We're bringing you our next installment in our series recapping the key themes from the AICPA conference on current SEC and PCAOB development and bringing to you specifically another trending topic that we heard throughout the conference, and that's on the topic of crypto and digital assets. Uh, I'm welcoming back Donald Thomas, who's a managing director in our FAS practice back to the podcast. Welcome, Donald. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, who joined me and several other embarkers uh, at the conference in D.C. earlier this month. And, and obviously, we heard a, lo- a, a lot of you know, great insight and perspectives from, you know, from numerous uh, panelists during the conference itself. But I guess, Donald, what, one thing I'm asking kind of each person is just before we dive into the specific topic today on, on crypto, it's just, you know, your overall thoughts, uh, feedback, feelings from the conference, anything that stood out to you or that you remember? Yeah, to me, it was really just the prevalence of ESG and the importance of ESG in the in the coming weeks. The the global corporate controller of Bank of America stepped down to be the ESG controller. The controller of CVS said that they'll have something like 50 people in their in their ESG team by the end of 2023. So for me, I I don't think I was keeping track of ESG and how important it was going to be to us. I know it's not our topic today, but to me, that was the biggest takeaway. Well, well, if anything, it might be a sneak peek into our our final episode. I don't know if you you view it as we're saving the best for last, but uh, the sixth and final installment in this uh, bonus episode series will be will be talking about ESG and just like you said, a lot of the sentiments that were shared throughout the conference there um, related to that. But no, I agree. Uh, but for today, we're, we'll switch back gears to talking a bit about crypto. And I would say... Now that I'm yeah. done stealing Robbie's thunder. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I, I would say like in the same limelight in a way, it was almost like crypto was similar kind of to the ESG conversation that you were alluding to is that it was also a topic that I think was woven into a lot of the different panel discussions. So there were multiple sessions throughout the conference that either, you know, directly or indirectly kind of made reference to these transactions and whether it's the specific risks or the complexities or uncertainties that are involved there. Uh, I did think we, we heard a lot about uh, crypto assets throughout the conference. And it, it really even just started from the onset. So when the, you know, SEC commissioner, Hester Pierce, was kind of giving her opening remarks, um, you know, one thing that she kind of alluded to was, you know, just talking about general economic conditions and all the, all the different factors that are coming into play. Um, you know, she spoke specifically around crypto itself and, and mentioned some of the recent market conditions. You know, she didn't call out, obviously, any market participants by name. Um, in her role, but, you know, for all of us that have been following the news, particularly around like the collapse of FTX and we're just thinking about the, the impact and waves that that shockwaves rather that that kind of put into the, the digital asset space. Um, on top of it, if you just looked at declining valuation for a lot of crypto and digital assets throughout the year, I think she had a lot of pointed remarks around 
that people really need to view, you know, investments and in, in, in interacting, you know, both individual investors and businesses when they're thinking about the digital asset market, they really need to like lean back to what they know about like traditional kind of core finance principles um, and not lose sight of those just because we're, you know, we're, we're talking about something new or trendy. Um, so I think there were things that she mentioned about like investors and even like the counterparty city transactions, like make sure you do your due diligence around it. You really understand who you're uh, transacting with. Um, you know, understand, you know, if crypto is being leveraged, how it's being leveraged, what kind of reserves might be there, be mindful of any conflicts of interest that could exist, um, counterparty risks that may exist, just, like just your traditional things that you would normally go through with any other investment. I think she was just trying to echo back that we shouldn't lose sentiment of that. So I, I thought that was interesting when she kind of had her opening remarks there about that. I don't know if, if that stood out to you or not as well. It, it did. The, really, the, the two comments that she made that that resonated with me is that, um, you know, these crypto entities are going to start need to mirroring the best practice of traditional finance entities. Yes, it's a it, it's new. I, I also got the sense that she felt perhaps we've been the, the regulatory framework has been a little slow to catch up. Sure. Um, but also she was clear that the SEC is going to continue to prioritize enforcement actions in cryptocurrency markets. And so the, the, the staff is not sleeping. And as you said, they talked about, well, I talked about all ESG all the time. Almost every session had a discussion of crypto, as, as, as you said. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think that's important on the, on the regulatory front is that it has been slow to play catch up. And I think there is Obviously, some rulemaking and things that have come out and probably more to come. I know she her viewpoints are she's a little hesitant about overregulating, um, you know, certain markets or certain types of transactions because it presumably can also create barriers for entry for uh, just allowing com competition around certain things. So that was another viewpoint she shared. Uh, but I think, you know, shortly after she spoke, then we kind of you know, I think the theme continued. We heard from uh, Paul Munter, you know, acting chief accountant of the SEC. He also addressed crypto, and I think in some of his remarks, and you know, his was obviously more focused on the accounting for crypto and crypto assets, and and basically recognizing that his group, OCA, you know, they've had a lot of accounting issues that have been raised around crypto asset arrangements. A lot of consultations that have come there. You know, some of the things that they're seeing is that those types of assets are introducing new unique risks and you know despite the unique risks and the unique fact patterns and the complexities of those um he tend to lean on that you know we don't have a lot of specific accounting guidance for crypto but that there you know his viewpoint was is that there is a lot of existing guidance and he seemed to emphasize this that could be used by analogy to really determine how you should account for these arrangements and at the end of the day, it really comes back to making sure you understand the economics of the arrangement. And then once you have a good, clear picture of the you know, rights and obligations, et cetera, associated with it, um, you could analogize to existing guidance in GAAP to figure out how these should actually be treated. And that's a reasonable conclusion to make. Um, I thought it was interesting as well. I think if we like kind of lean into 
I don't know if it was like the second day, I believe there that, you know, the FASB also has a project related to crypto. I think there was this more on the, like the holder of crypto. So there was some talk from the, from the FASB just about, you know, they're also trying to be responsive to, you know, the needs of financial statement users when there's an appetite that the accounting for, for holding crypto may not make sense. So they've moved, been moving quickly on an agenda, a project on their technical agenda around crypto. So there were highlights around that. But I think, you know, absent those things, I believe it was, maybe it was Corkfin, if I'm remembering this correctly, they, um, or maybe it was OCA itself. They were basically talking about the accounting for crypto assets and, and their conversations around maybe particular instances where questions have arisen around crypto assets, they actually provided some, either some guidance to refer back to or um, some examples to think about as companies are are um, accounting for certain crypto asset, asset transactions. So I think there were two types of, of transactions that I know you had mentioned to me that you, you know, stood out to you that they walked through. So maybe you could kind of recap kind of what those two transaction types were and and what they were really kind of leaning into as, you know, an appropriate way to think about the accounting there. So the the, the staff noted two types of, of transactions, crypto transactions that they're discussing with registrants. One is crypto safeguarding. The other is crypto lending. Um, uh, you know, they also said that responsive to the safeguarding, the staff pointed to guidance they provided in in, in staff accounting bulletin 121 that they issued in, in March 22. And you can find that on, on the SEC's website, but effectively SAB 121 requires reporting entities that perform custodial activities related to crypto assets, whether directly or through an agent acting on its behalf to include a crypto asset safeguarding liability and a corresponding asset on their balance sheet at fair value. Um, with um, with respect to crypto lending, um, the staff described an example of basic crypto lending and the staff's views on one related accounting and disclosure. Uh, the um, in, in the example, the lender loans crypto assets for a fee and the borrower has an the borrower has an ability to use the assets at its sole discretion, including the ability to sell or pledge the crypto assets. Um, as the lender does not have economic benefits of the crypto assets, until they're returned by the borrower, the lender needs to de-recognize the loan crypto assets and recognize an asset that's reflective of its right to receive the crypto asset. Um, you know, that asset's gonna need to be measured um, at inception, um, um, both initially and subsequently at fair value. Uh, and, and the gain or loss um, should not be presented as revenue, but presented as other gain and loss. Um, also, because the lender is exposed to credit risk of the borrower, the lender should recognize an allowance for credit losses using principles in ASC 3, uh, 326 credit losses. And as, as you said earlier, while there isn't anything directly related to crypto assets in the codification, there are plenty of topics that, that, that touch on the specific, asset, the, the specific topics around crypto. Yep. Yeah. And I think they, you know, also highlighted some disclosures around the arrangement. So obviously there, there's like an overarching theme, I think at the conference, we've talked about this on um, some of our other past kind of bonus episodes around just transparency and the need for better 
um, decision-making information for investors. And so I think just providing some context around crypto arrangements within the context of your disclosures is, was also highlighted as well, um, yep. particularly given just a lot of the disruption in the, in, in the market as well during the year and the, and the likely impairment of a lot of crypto assets too. I, I think some of those disclosures were in terms of the collateral provided rights in the event the borrower default, how the, lo- how the lender monitors credit risk, and then concentration of credit risks and, and related party transactions. Yep. Let's switch gears to maybe talking about, you know, we, we obviously heard from the, the chief accountant in OCA, but then I know on day two, Corpfin, um, you know, presented their panel and they obviously also had a lot of discussion around crypto. So I know one thing that one of the things they mentioned was, and, and they brought this up with actually quite a few different topic areas was with just a reminder around their dear, dear issuer letters that they have out. Um, and so they obviously released one specific to crypto as well in the crypto market. Um, so I thought it was just important that they they emphasize that. And, you know, and, it, and again, for people that maybe aren't familiar with those gear issuer letters, they're really designed as just a way for the SEC staff to kind of give you a sample comment letter of the types of things that the SEC is going to be looking at um, and may issue to companies that are impacted by any of these like uprisings or upendings in the crypto market. So just just things to be aware of, uh, making sure that companies are being prudent in their disclosures this year, particularly if they've seen some disruption as it relates to any of these, you know, the FTX downfall or just the overall financial uncertainty or distrust that the crypto market's seen throughout the year. Anything else from your end that I guess stood out to you from OCA's discussion around uh, just disclosures of, of, of crypto assets in the crypto market. Just the staff letter. What what really came across to me and other aspects of the of the conference were around the fact that everything we're doing is for the benefit of the users. It's not for our benefit. It's for the benefit of the users. And and I I I, I thought the staffs, you know, providing the um, the the sample letter was really important because it shows they're not in a gotcha mode. You know, their, yeah. their desire is really just that we do it right in the first place. And so providing that sample letter, giving that information, this is the kind of things that they expect, I thought was was really important. It shows that they're not playing a cat and mouse game. They really just want, they really want clear, fulsome disclosure. And if if they get that and if users get the information that they need, the staff's going to be happy. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think there was even, um, you know, a discussion around, you know, initial coin offerings or when there's crypto assets being offered up, just, you know, oh, they walk through a laundry list of things that they would kind of expect to be clearly disclosed that really provide that, you know, information that users of the financial statements really need to know to understand both like rights and obligations of the asset that's being offered. So, you know, they talked about making sure you have clear disclosures around any vesting terms, if there's unique vesting terms, conversions, uh, voting rights and things that are attached to the crypto. They mentioned things about like there's contingent provisions and they're tied to minimum sales or issuance requirements and the like. So, you know, I, I do think it just kind of echoes the broader sentiments that the SEC brought around a lot of topics uh, this year, which was, again, just clear disclosure, you know, in the financial statements, outside the financial statements, if we're talking about MD&A as it relates to crypto impact. 
making sure accounting policies as well are, are well described and um, understood. And that's, you know, based on the, the, the entity disclosures around their accounting policies that they're following the appropriate accounting model, et cetera. So a lot to, a lot to talk about there. And I'm sure there'll be, you know, a lot more developments in this space, particularly as we, uh, you know, we see more companies and investors and even just consumers use digital and crypto assets and, and really kind of, you know, also following along with the, the FASI's progress on their own, on their own separate projects. Any final, I guess, parting words that you'd have to say around crypto or anything from the conference? I was just impressed or interested by the recurring running themes, how they they touched on various things throughout the conference. And and it was uh it was it was really a good conference. No big new pronouncements this year, but just a lot of good information and you know, the focus on on transparency and I think the words that we're going to be talking about next year is going to be disaggregation. You would you would probably be right, and we and we had a we had a, a great conversation about that on on one of our our earlier episodes in this series as well. But I, I wholeheartedly agree that uh, whether it was intentional or not intentional, we did see a lot of the the same recurring thoughts, sentiments on on different topics and accounting issues uh, interplay, and so there were there was definitely shared consensus around. Not only what the staff and standard setters, but what investors and preparers and everyone else is focusing on. And it was good to see that alignment. So, all right. Well, Donald, I will wrap us up there. And again, you know, thank you for uh, kind of sharing your thoughts and insights as it relates to, to digital assets and crypto assets here. For our listeners, I would uh, welcome you to tune into our final episode that we kind of sneak peeked at the top of this one. So that's going to relate to ESG and all the kind of climate related matters, issues, and things that were, were also woven throughout the conference. It was another another trending topic, so I encourage everyone to, to come back for that final episode. And uh, thank you again, everyone, for uh, tuning in to another episode of Accounting Matters. Thanks for having me back. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Embark makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in the podcast series, and it should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Information discussed in our podcast may also be superseded by new guidance or as new interpretations emerge. Listeners are cautioned to carefully evaluate any relevant, subsequent, authoritative guidance issued.